0: And so today we're going to hear a story that I think has the potential perhaps to change the way that you think about human suffering, also has the potential to change the way that you think about what grace is, what grace is, what generosity is, I mean how God is generous and grace-filled. And what this is a story about is about what happens When Jesus touches a man's eyes and opens his eyes. The story, like much of John, is not just the story of a physical healing, but it's also the story of a spiritual healing. He heals the man on a physical level, but there's a spiritual awakening that takes place in the man's life. The reason John wrote his gospel is because he wants the same awakening to take place in your life. Oh, he sees your physical needs, sees your human suffering, sees your error in life. But he wants to open your eyes to who Jesus is. Because John believes that in Jesus we see life, abundance of life, life at its best. And when we open up our heart to that generosity and that beauty and the abundance of God, it just opens up life for us. You feel stuck, you feel trapped, you can't see his life gives life and so that's what it's all about, it's about opening it up and in this story what happens is that uh, Jesus spits on some mud and sand, rubs it in the guy's eyes, he can see and we then see what happens in the story and everybody's response to it the man has this slow steady progression of belief he moves from saying, there was a man who touched me with mud and spit I can see He's questioned by a bunch of religious people, by his parents and neighbors. And then he says, you know, a prophet spit on some mud and touched my eyes, and now I can see. He's questioned a third time. By the third time, he goes, he must be from God because he spit on some mud, he touched my eyes, and now I can see. Because only God could use spit and mud to heal a blind man. And then Jesus comes back and sees him again and at the end of the story he's gone from he's a man to he is the Son of God and confesses his faith. Now what's interesting is the other people in the story who think they can see, can't see. Instead they keep rejecting Jesus, rejecting the man and it reveals their blindness. So my word to you this morning is as we read this story and as I share these words that you would just let him touch your eyes. Just let him open your eyes to his grace, to his beauty, and to his message. Here's the story now. We're going to read parts of it. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from his birth. Now, if you were to underline one word in all the Gospel of John with a lot of power, it's that word saw or the word see. Jesus had 20-20 vision. If you want to know how to look at the world and you want to see the world from God's point of view, you look at it through the eyes of Jesus. Jesus was able to see people in a way that other people couldn't see them. He was able to see the humanity in the midst of people's suffering. He's able to see beyond their sin, their pain, to the image of God that was in them. Jesus had 20-20 perfect eyesight. He saw what religious people couldn't see. Where some people looked at people and saw problems, he saw potential. Where he looked at some people and saw obstacles, he saw opportunities. The question is when you you look at the world around you, what do you see? Are you able to see the beauty in people? Are you able to see other people with the eyes of Jesus and able to see them from the vantage point of love or the point of view of judgment, condemnation? Do you see people as problems or people having possibilities? And see, when Jesus touches your eyes, you begin to look at the world differently. You begin to see things in a whole new way. The other thing is, this is the good news, not only does he help you see other people, you need to know he sees you. He sees you where you come from, he can see where you're going, he sees your past. He sees your present. He sees your future. And a lot of people think that, that God is a God of, of, that we should fear, a God of judgment, and a God of hate. Got to get myself all cleaned up before I come. No, he sees you for who you are. He sees past the things and the mistakes that you've made in your life. And this God in Jesus is not, not going to turn you away. Generous God. Now the disciples, on the other hand, they look at the man and they don't see the man. They see a problem. Jesus sees a man. They see a problem. Rabbi's disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? They're looking at the man. They're not concerned about the man. They just want to know why is he this way? And they're answering the question in a way a lot of people ask. Why are these people poor? It's because of something they did or something their parents did. Why, Why are these people suffering? They must have done something wrong. Why was this family born uh, with a child with special needs? What did they do? It's a common answer to human suffering. Jesus turns around and answers it, though. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins Jesus answered. Now, this is interesting, because Jesus is contradicting the Old Testament here. Exodus 25 says that sin is passed down from one generation to the next, and that people suffer because of the sins of their parents. Now, in other parts of the Old Testament, you'll find different explanations for suffering. But Jesus is basically looking at the man's situation saying, that's not true in this case. It wasn't a, he, he's not blind because his parents sinned. He didn't do anything wrong. Then he says, this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming. And then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. He brings life. Jesus brings life. And this is what he does. It says, then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Now, now we know. We know Jesus could have just healed the man without spit and without any mud. That's the kind of healing I want. Don't put mud in my eye, you know. (laughs) You know, you go to your optometrist and he wants to spit in your eye. Get out of there. <laughs> Why would Jesus do this? I think one thing is I think Jesus is trying to make the point that if you're going to get involved in the world, you're going to get dirty, you're going to get messy. You're going to get knee deep in pain, suffering, and life. The world's not a, it's not a clean place and you're going to get dirty. I also thinks he wanted, he wanted us to know that Jesus had spit like you have spit. Jesus can spit, you can spit. That's a, that's a rather weird point, but he was a human being. I mean, do you think of Jesus spitting? No, you don't. But he was a human being. He was fully divine and fully human. So he says, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sense. So the man went, washed, and came back seeing. Now you think the whole world would be excited about what happened, but no, that's not the case. What happens is everybody gets all bent out of shape. I mean, everybody's happy as long as the man's blind. But now that the man can see, I mean, Jesus has just turned everything upside down. Uh, His community wants to know what happened. And the man says, I don't know, this man came along, he's spitting my suddenly I can see. Then these religious people, they're all upset because he did it on on Sabbath. I mean, you can't break the rules. I mean, I don't care if the guy can see. You shouldn't have healed him on the Sabbath. You broke the rules. Who did it? And the, the man says, well, I don't know, some prophet did it. Then they question the man's parents and the man's parents don't want to say yes or no because they're afraid they're going to get kicked out of the synagogue so they won't answer the question they're avoiding it then they go back to the blind man again and say who did this and i love this the blind man's becoming a little bit smart eloquently at this point he goes so do you want to become one of his disciples too and they, well, you've been a sinner from birth interesting jesus says no he's not a sinner you've been a sinner from birth And then he says, well, this man must be from God because who could spit in your eye and make him see? He has to be from God, right? Only God can heal blind eyes. Then Jesus comes back, and here's where the story picks up. It says here, when Jesus heard what happened, heard about all the conflict, he found the man and asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Friends, this is the punchline for the whole gospel. This is why John wrote it. It's why I stand before you here today forgiven, redeemed, blessed by the generous beauty of a God who loves you and loves me. It's this confession of faith that this church is built on. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said. Believing in the generous love and grace of a Savior who touches someone regardless of where they've been. And he worshiped Jesus. Now, you you would hope that the other people would be cool about this, but they weren't. Then Jesus told him, I entered the world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind. His judgment for people are in pain. His judgment is to help them. And to show those who think they can see that they are blind. Some Pharisees were standing nearby, heard him say this and asked, "Well, are you are you saying we're blind?" "Well, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty." And Jesus replied, "But you remain guilty because you claim you can see." Man was Jesus a troublemaker? That's what got him killed. Okay. So, I want to I want to I'm going to help you walk out of here today in Briefly, I'm going to give you about three or four things, and I want you to be able to to interpret Scripture on your own. You know that story? Give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime. So I'm going to teach you how to fish. I'm going to teach you how to look at this passage, and then we're going to draw a big point out that's going to blow the top of your head off. You're going to be so excited. There's going to be a lot of jumping around. Okay, so here's the first thing. The most important question you should ever ask when reading the Bible is why did they write this down? It's too simple to say they wrote it down because he's trying to give us history. That's too simple. All the gospel writers tell the story from a different point of view. And you have to realize that when they're writing it down, they're writing down the story as they saw it, but they're writing it down to a community. John was like a preacher, so he was talking to a community of people, just like I'm talking to you, and he's reinterpreting the Jesus story for his time, some 30, 40, 50 years later. What was going on that they needed to hear this story? What was going on was in the synagogues Christians and Jews were living together as one community but as Jesus began to win over the hearts and minds of people within the synagogue and they began to confess their faith in Jesus they got kicked out of the synagogue they found themselves suddenly at odds with the synagogue and they were forced out So John is writing to them to encourage them to not be discouraged and to see this as being a normal result of their faith in Jesus. Hey, you follow Jesus and his teaching. You're going to find yourselves at odds with the world around you. And guess what? You may even find yourself at odds if you follow Jesus with religious people. With people who want to be very hard and fast about who's included. Because Jesus includes everyone. He includes Gentiles and everyone. People are normally sick and sinners. You start doing that, you're going to get kicked out of the synagogue. And so, in the story then, they're reading it. The parents of the blind man, they don't want to confess their faith in Jesus. Because they don't want to get kicked out. The blind man gets kicked out. So he's connecting that story to them. So let's jump into the 21st century. Is it possible that, too, if we want to follow Jesus, that we might find ourselves at odds with our world and our community? It's possible. And who might we find ourselves at odds with? Church people. Sometimes people who are the closest to Jesus understand him least. Sometimes it's the people that are farthest away from Jesus who understand what their need for mercy and grace are the ones that understand him best. Let let me tell you a story. So there was, and you you may have heard this is an old, old preacher story. This beggar homeless man woke up in a park one day on a Sunday morning because he had a dream that God said, go to church. He woke up and he looked and he saw the steeple of the church he was supposed to go to. So he walked across the park in his ragged, dirty, smelly clothes, walked up and saw all the fine people streaming in their nice clothes into the sanctuary to worship at the church. There was a man standing at the door holding a program. And he walked up and he said, Are you coming in here? He said, Yeah, God told me to come here this morning. And the man holding the program said, Maybe you didn't hear God right. Maybe God told you to go to another church. <laughs> and he says, why don't you go back and pray about it, and if you hear from God that you should come, come back next week, then we'll let you in. The next week, the man went back. He's standing there, the same deacon is there, and he says, "What well, did you hear from God? I did. Jesus told me he's been trying to get into this church for years, and he can't even get in here, so I'm going to another church. <laughs> Yeah. You see, it's, it's sometimes people who are closest, who are closest, closest to Jesus are the ones that are farthest from Jesus. And let me ask you, what identifies you as a follower of Jesus are his teachings. His teachings. You are not identified, Jesus says, as a follower of Jesus by your belief system, but by observing his teachings. And I would ask you, what are the essential teachings of Jesus that make us stand out in the world? I'm not going to tell you what they are, but here, let me give you a clue where to look. Get a Bible with red letters in it and read the letters in red, the words attributed to Jesus. The second place you should look, Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. The third place you want to look are the parables of Jesus. But let me warn you, if you read the parables of Jesus, you might get crucified too. Because those are radical, radical stories about grace. Okay, so here's the second thing. Okay, you with me? Second thing. So this story is answering the question, and I'm going to connect these two. These stories are answering the question about human suffering. And they look at the blind man and they say, is he blind because his parents have sinned? Now, if you read the Bible in the Old Testament, you will find verification that there are parts of the Bible that say, the man was born blind because his parents had sinned. But you know what? Look at other parts of the Bible, you'll find different explanations. If you want to ask one reason why the Bible was written, the Bible was written to some some degree was to answer the question, why do people suffer in the world? It's answering the question. But here's the thing, if you're going to look for one answer, you're not going to get one answer. There are multiple answers. That's what, that's what makes it the Word of God. On the one hand, you have some of the Proverbs which say, if you do bad things, you're going to be punished. And if you're being punished because you did bad things, and if you don't know why you're being punished, go look in your past. You'll find something that God's mad about. Then you read the book of Job, where God's punished, and he's a righteous man. He did nothing wrong. He's just suffering because nobody knows the answer. You'll find both answers present in scripture. And this is interesting. Jesus is not a biblical literalist. Only 21st century Christians are. That was a comment that was probably a little too sharp. But but Jesus looks back (laughs) at the Old Testament and he's not interpreting it literally. He's, He's picking and choosing, okay? But here's what's really interesting. Look at what Jesus says. Look at this. He says, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered, This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Now, you read that and you go, Jesus, I don't like that answer. I don't like that. I mean, think about it. So your kid is born with the special needs because God wants to do a miracle. Well, that's just kind of dumpy, you know? I mean, the idea that, that you get cancer because God's trying to make a miracle happen. How many people have heard this, everything happens for a reason? Well, let me blow your mind here. Did you know And that could be true, I don't know. But did you know when the New Testament was written in Greek, there was no punctuation? There were no capital letters. All the letters run together. No periods, no no sentences, no commas, no semicolons, no capital letters. So where did the period come from that says Jesus answered? It's because some dude somewhere a long time ago put the period right there. But let me ask you what would happen. What would happen if you moved the period? to that sentence and the way it's translated. This is so important because people take, they take it, they take the Bible in their English and they want to apply it to everyone in their circumstance and do a lot of damage to God and to Jesus and they lack such humility that they're giving answers to questions and it may not even be the right answer. So let's just say you move the period. It was not because of his sins or his parents sins Jesus answered this happened period. So the power of God could be seen in him, we must quickly carry out the task assigned to us. See the difference between the two stories? On the one hand, it's saying, this man was born blind so God could make a miracle happen so people would believe. The second one was, this man was born blind and it wasn't because his parents did anything wrong that this happened, but because we want to show God's power. Well, we got time, let's do something good. Which one do you like better? Now, I'm not saying, some people, you may get more comfort with the first translation. Some may get comfort with the second translation. My whole point is, the person, somebody put a period there. You know why the person put a period where they put it? I don't really know. I don't know what, how it was really meant. But it put a period there because that's the way he saw the world. Everybody interprets the Bible from their point of view. That's my point. So the whole point of the story is, It doesn't matter why somebody's blind. What matters is your response. Jesus is generous and great. Jesus doesn't care why the man is blind. Jesus doesn't ask the man why he's blind. Jesus just gives him his grace and his forgiveness and his love and his power, and he touches the man. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do nothing to earn it. We do nothing to merit it. It's free, unconditional, and He touches every every one of you in this room. You have been forgiven in the name of Jesus Christ. Already done on the cross for you when He died for you. Free gift. Okay. What puts us at odds with the world around us? The free gift of the generous grace of God. What puts you at odds with religious people? When you start giving away what they want to control when you start giving away and tearing down fences that people use to separate and divide this, them, and us. The most radical thing that Jesus ever did was to give away grace. So what does this man do? This is what's so cool. The religious people don't get it, but the blind man moves to see. And so what happens? He goes, he's a man, he's a prophet, he's from God, I believe. That's what happens when you give it away. You see who God is. God is this gracious, benevolent, inclusive God. When you, see, when you see the grace of God, it's more about including than it is about excluding, about not pushing people out because of our narrow interpretations of what we believe to be true. And so here's what we do. We come into this building and we're asking, we're opening up the Bible and we're reading it, and we're saying, God, show me what you want me to see. We don't have it figured out. We are blind. Open our eyes because we want to see. That's where where truth begins. Truth begins the minute you say, I don't know. Grace begins the minute you say, I don't know. We all stand before God the same way. We are all blind. It's not rules that open people's eyes. It's not doctrine that open people's eyes. But it's the unmerited forgiveness of a generous God who gives it away. And it was that grace that was so beautiful, but that was so offensive to the world that they nailed him to the cross for it. But then three days later, God got him out of the grave and said, it's still free.